Welcome to the Senior Soup Podcast, the DMV's Senior Resource Hub and the premier senior advocacy platform. My name is Raquel Meissen. And I'm Ryan Miner. And the soup of the day is the Lifespan Network and the Beacon Institute. Our special guest is Kevin Hefner, the president of Lifespan Network. Kevin, thanks for joining us today. We're going to dive right in. My pleasure. Thanks, Raquel and Ryan. Kevin, can you share with us an overview of Lifespan Network and the Beacon Institute, your part in the organization, your members, who and what Lifespan serves, and the mission of the organization? So Lifespan is the largest and most diverse senior care association in Maryland and Washington, D.C. We have approximately 350 institutional members who provide a wide variety of care and services for older adults ranging from retirement communities to assisted living facilities to nursing homes to home and community-based services or more aptly known as home care, hospice, adult day care, the entire continuum of senior care and services. And our job is as their association to serve their needs so that they can more effectively and efficiently serve the needs of seniors in Maryland and Washington, D.C. And we do that through a whole variety of mechanisms. You mentioned the Beacon Institute is Lifespan's educational foundation. That is the organization that we provide a whole variety of educational services through. So we do online education. We do classroom-based education. We hold a variety of conferences throughout the year through the Beacon Institute. And they're all designed to provide the best tools available to members on financial issues, regulatory issues, even clinical care and soft skills so that they can better meet the needs of older adults. Kevin, could you walk us through Lifespan's policy advocacy and outreach among Maryland's local, state, or even federal officials and or the lawmakers? Ryan, we are very engaged in Annapolis and Washington, D.C. on a variety of fronts. We have a lobbyist, Dana Kaufman, with the law firm of uh, Schwartz, Metz, Wise, and Kaufman, who serves us every day and represents our interests in Annapolis on a whole variety of issues. Dana also represents the Maryland Association of Adult Day Services, the Maryland National Capital Home Care Association, the Hospice Network of Maryland, and MedCHI, which is the organization that represents doctors. So Dana really has a firm grasp of all of the issues surrounding senior care and services and how all those parts work together. Dana, from early in January until early in April, is on duty 24-7 in Annapolis during the legislative session and represents our interest by having a weekly conversation with our members in which she gets their feedback on specific bills, whether we should support, oppose, or not take a position on those bills. And she frames those for us. But we are also represented by Alice Burton with Burton Policy Group, Mike Johansson, and some others whom you may know, Ryan. And the goal of this multi-pronged approach is to make lawmakers aware of the field's needs financially and from a regulatory perspective. We're very engaged not only during legislative session, but what Dana would call the off-season.
Washington, working with regulatory agencies. So we work with the Maryland Department of Health, the Maryland Department of Aging, the Department of Labor, and a variety of others at the agency level to represent our interests. When those laws have been approved and signed by the governor, we then go about trying to inform the agencies about when the rubber meets the road, here's what this means, and here's how we can work effectively together. So we're very active on all those fronts. As my dear friend Lynn Foxwell would say, the real business is done on the second floor of Harry Brown's during session. That's right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I feel like it's an exciting time in Maryland. We think about it in January. Wes Moore and Aruna Miller were sworn in as governor and lieutenant governor, respectively. I was wondering, Kevin, what legislation has lifespan promoting or advocating for on behalf of its members? And are there any bills this session that lifespan is following closely? I own a home care company called Amada Senior Care. This hits straight home for me. We, um, Raquel, focus on a whole variety of issues that impact the field of senior living. And because we're such a diverse organization, there may be bills that affect home care that don't necessarily affect retirement living. There may be bills that affect assisted living that don't necessarily affect skilled nursing homes. Our job together is to take a look at the whole variety of bills that appear at the beginning of legislative session. And as Dana will tell you, and I'm sure you're well aware, sometimes it's not only in the hundreds, but in the thousands of bills that our team is pouring over. Our focus is to monitor legislation that has tangential impact on our members and to be actively engaged on legislation that may have a direct impact. The minimum wage certainly has an impact on all of our members. And so whether Governor Moore's efforts to have the minimum wage escalate more quickly than had been planned, that has an impact on our members and in particular on skilled nursing members and home care members, adult day members who may receive reimbursement. I would also mention there is a bill that has to do with family and medical leave, maternity, paternity leave, and what caring for family member and how that's defined can have an impact on whether staff members are leaving for a couple of months. How do you replace them if you're going to be using that leave? How do you backfill? So those are two that impact us fairly tangentially. They're labor bills. They relate to compensation and to leave from jobs. But the ones that impact us directly, generally speaking, have to do with reimbursement for nursing homes and other kinds of senior care providers and nursing. It's no secret that the pandemic had an impact on our ability as an industry to attract and retain employees. Employees during COVID were going out on leave because they had COVID or because they had been exposed and some of them chose not to come back. COVID exacerbated what was already a challenge for senior care providers in recruiting and retaining staff. So what we've been about the business of doing is trying to work with legislators to remove as many barriers as possible to getting into the field. Traditionally speaking, it's been more challenging for someone to become a nursing assistant than it has to work at the local Starbucks at the local or the local McDonald's. You need to be certified in the state of Maryland to provide direct care for someone in an assisted living environment, a home care environment, or a nursing home environment. Up until this legislative session, 
to work in a nursing home, not only did you need to become certified as a CNA, but also as a GNA, a geriatric nursing assistant. So you had to take two exams. We have been advocating for removing that barrier so that once someone has their CNA license, they can work in whatever domain that they would like and serve seniors. So that's attempting to remove one barrier. That's one bill that I testified on a few weeks ago and that we're working very hard on and very optimistic about. One of the other bills has to do also with nursing with how the Board of Nursing interacts with the Secretary of the Health Department. So the Board of Nursing is a paraprofessional board at the moment, does not report directly to the Secretary of Health. It makes it very problematic in terms of getting things done. You may have heard in the news that during the pandemic and since, after the cyber attack that impacted the systems that the State Department of Health works on, that the Board of Nursing has had challenges getting people recertified uh, as nursing assistance, as well as new ones, who new people who want to become certified to help make that a smoother process. We've been advocating for a bill that would have the Board of Nursing reconstituted and have it report to the Secretary of Health. Those are just a couple of examples. Some legislation has a tangential impact on us. Some has a direct impact on us. We're engaged on all of them. I love everything that you said. And more specifically, I love that you guys are working with trying to advocate for these DNAs and GNAs, the really great caregivers that don't have either. I come across a lot of phenomenal CNAs or caregivers that can't afford to go get their CNA. Many people are in a decision-making process where they're comparing working at Starbucks, for instance, or McDonald's, where you're paid to learn and don't have to go through a certification process versus having to go through a process to become certified as a nursing assistant that's not only expensive, a thousand to twelve hundred dollars traditionally, but it also takes several weeks to get to the point where you can get paid in those roles. We're trying to remove barriers. I tell the story often, Raquel, of when our association moved its office about five years ago to where we are currently. Just like when you move from one home to another, we found found old things. And one of the things we found was an old member survey from 1989. Looking at the member survey, the proverbial question was asked, what keeps you awake at night? The answer was direct care workforce, recruiting and retaining workers. 30 plus years later, because of COVID, not only do we still have that problem, but it's become exacerbated. And as we approach 2030, where in Maryland, like the rest of the country, for the first time as a society, there will be more people over the age of 65 than under the age of 18 projected. We need to prepare to be able to care for older adults. To do that, we need to remove the barriers that exist for people who want to serve in that way. We have a whole host of things that we're doing to try to address that. Kevin, Lifespan's immediate past board chair was in fact just sworn in as Maryland's Secretary of Aging, Carmel Rowe. How will her ascension into Maryland's Secretary of Aging position benefit and support Lifespan? We could not be more excited, Ryan. And I personally could not be more excited. Carmel Roke is someone who has spent four decades in the field of senior care. She's a licensed nursing home administrator. She has been in a CEO role in multiple organizations. And just to hit on a few, she was the first executive director of Copper Ridge in Sykesville, which was Maryland's 
first memory care community. She then served in the role of CEO of Virginia United Methodist Homes for the past decade or so has been in the role of CEO of Keswick in Baltimore City. So she's had a, a whole host of experience in the field from memory care to working in Virginia to a Maryland urban environment. She has seen it all and understands it all. What Governor Moore has done is to appoint not just Carmel in the Secretary of Aging role, who understands aging on a very deep level, but also Secretary Herrera Scott as the Secretary of the Department of Health, who understands from a physician standpoint, public health issues. Could not be more excited about working with Carmel. When she was appointed, I told her I was literally standing up because I couldn't sit down. She called me. So excited to work with her. And we've spoken several times since she was sworn in. Carmel's got a lot of great ideas that I think are going to benefit Maryland seniors. That's exciting. I'm happy to hear that. I'm excited how she will make her rounds throughout the counties and the jurisdictions, commissions on aging. This is an exciting time in Maryland. What I'm most happy about is the smooth transition from Governor Hogan's administration to now Governor Moore's administration. When the uh, gubernatorial race was going on this past fall, we were fortunate to meet with candidate Wes Moore, now Governor Wes Moore, twice to talk about the issues surrounding senior care. Could not have been more impressed with his vision for Maryland and his specific knowledge of seniors' issues. We talked specifically about the workforce and ways that we can get more people into the field of senior care, a field that needs them desperately. I'm part of the Governor's Workforce Development Board, and we talk on that board often about how do we get people who were displaced, lost their jobs in hospitality, restaurants, hotels during COVID into fields that desperately need them, like senior care, senior living into nursing jobs. So we've been talking with Governor Moore about strategies for how to do that. He was very much in favor of some of the things that we're doing, because as you know, he is is focused in his administration on pulling people out of poverty through education and employment. Well, what could be a better fit for that kind of approach than talking about how to get people into senior care through education and employment? Kevin, can you help us understand the impact the COVID-19 pandemic had on Lifespan Network's members? As you know, Raquel, traditionally, associations do things like education and advocacy and networking. When March of 2020 hit, we had to pivot everything that we had done, which nobody needed at that point. Nobody was doing classroom-based education. Nobody was in Annapolis. The session was virtual. We weren't doing any networking at all other than trying to keep people connected virtually through Zoom and other platforms. So we pivoted everything that we were doing in 2020 to what our members needed most, which if you remember back, it was PPE. We all saw the stories about New York City hospitals, how nurses were putting trash bags on instead of gowns because they didn't have protective gowns. They were substituting other sorts of things for gloves because they didn't have gloves. They didn't have appropriate masks. So people were making masks. What we did is we leveraged relationships that we had with local suppliers. Manufacturers were pivoting what they were making, whether it was tires or clothing or whatever, to making PPE. 
to, to making masks domestically, to making gowns and gloves domestically. And so we tapped into that during that summer when the ships from China were being diverted and utilized by FEMA and others, we were getting supplies of PPE in and our association office, instead of being a place where people could gather for educational programs and networking, it became a warehouse where we were distributing to our members literally out of our classroom, all sorts of PPE. So that was what they needed at the time. And we pivoted to doing that. And we did that for about 18 months where that was one of our primary functions is getting PPE to our members so that they could keep their residents and customers safe. Obviously we have changed and transitioned back, but I think that is a fairly well-branded on everyone's memories that that we were doing very different things in 2020 and 2021 because that's what our members needed. I understand that Lifespan has a promising roster of upcoming events on the calendar. So Kevin, what's happening now and in the near future with Lifespan and what can your members expect as far as programming? It's a great question, Ryan. So we just completed two events. Legislative Day in Annapolis, we held in February for the first time in three years. We were able to have members come to Annapolis and interact with legislators. You may remember back during COVID that we were talking about healthcare heroes and everybody thought about the nurses. But one of the areas that people didn't think about as much were the chefs, the cooks who were providing food for older adults through the pandemic. And while many people were working from home, those chefs were still providing food on a daily basis for older adults in a safe way. Well, we just held again for the first time in three years an event that is called Taste of Senior Living, where we brought together 22 different chef teams from around Maryland, senior living chef teams, to compete for the coveted Silver Spoon Award. We had about 250 people come together where they were able to taste desserts, main entrees, appetizers, and gave away the Silver Spoon Award. So again, for the first time in three years, it was nice to be able to celebrate great chefs, other healthcare heroes that had not been highlighted. We've got some great events coming up. Our golf tournament is coming up at Hunt Valley Golf Club on May 22nd. But our biggest event of the year is coming up on September 26th through the 29th. We hold an annual conference in Ocean City where we bring together about 700 senior care leaders from all walks of life to learn. Over 50 educational sessions that we're offering. We have an exhibit hall filled with about 80 or 85 exhibit companies. And we have speakers come. And I will tell you, the one keynote speaker group that we've already confirmed is Dr. Deborah Burks. You remember White House Coronavirus Task Force leader, along with Robert Redfield, director of the CDC during COVID. So Dr. Burks and Dr. Redfield are going to be speaking on a panel in Ocean City. And we're going to be adding some other exciting keynote speakers as the months go by. So excited to have everybody together again in September in Ocean City. I was at the Lifespan Conference in 2019. One of the key speakers was the late Glenn Campbell's wife, and she talked all about his journey with Alzheimer's. It was a very touching program. I really thought it was well done. And not only that, I recalled the former Lieutenant Governor Boyd Rutherford also spoke at the same conference. And I'm hoping that the senior soup could make an appearance this year in September. Oh, gosh, we'd love to, to have you, Ryan and Raquel. We'd love to have the senior soup with us in Ocean City in September. 
September. Beautiful time to be there. Excited about some of the other speakers that are going to be there. So, you know, I mentioned Dr. Burks and Dr. Redfield. We've got two other keynote speaker slots that I think you'll be very pleased with when we finalize those. We covered a lot today, Kevin. A lot of great things to come. So I'm excited. And we're going to be right there with you to help advocate so we can all be as effective as we can to help serve our seniors and their families. So can you share with our audience a few critical takeaways from this podcast? It's been my honor to be part of this. I think one of the things that's important to convey to listeners is the commitment of Marylanders to other Marylanders. The people who serve seniors get into this field almost exclusively because they care about older adults and they want to find ways to serve in a very direct way, whether maybe it was a grandmother, a grandfather, that relationship that led people to be in this field. We need more people to be involved as we approach 2030. We need more people to decide that they want to serve in a direct way, whether it's as a nurse or other kind of professional supporting older adults. We have room for everybody. It's a big tent and it takes a lot of hands to serve older older adults. It's such a rewarding field. When people think about senior care, they think about the declinist way of approaching things that as you get older, you're less able to do things. We prefer to think of the capabilities of seniors. Bill Thomas, who is one of the leaders in this profession over the past two decades said once, and it really resonated with me. He said, older people are the greatest accumulated repository of wisdom that we have at our disposal. They've lived through things that we haven't. They've been able to layer those experiences over decades and decades for what is truly wisdom. The more that we're able to connect older people with younger people, those intergenerational relationships, the richer we are all for The takeaways that I would just offer is we're proud to represent Marylanders who are caring for older adults. There's more room at the table for people to join in and become involved, whether that's home care, assisted living, nursing homes, lots of great opportunities to make a good living and to serve older adults. And we're here for you. I feel like we're all better together, Kevin. So thank you so much for sharing this. And hey, where can our audience find Lifespan on the web? It's been my honor. Uh, Lifespan is at lifespan-network.org, lifespan-network.org. You can find all of the information about the associations, lobbying activities, all the educational programs and networking opportunities that come up and jobs that are available. So we'd love to have people visit. Thank you so much. Just as a reminder, new episodes of the Senior Soup podcast are released on Mondays at 9 a.m. That's right. Raquel nailed it. You can listen to the Senior Soup podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, iHeart, Pandora, and more. Now you can use Amazon Alexa to listen to the Senior Soup podcast. All you have to do is say, Alexa, play the Senior Soup podcast on Amazon Music, and the Alexa machine will fire it right up. Also, Raquel and I would love to read your feedback. You can email us at feedback at theseniorsoup.com. And of course, be sure to visit our website at theseniorsoup.com for all of the latest episodes and content. Kevin, thank you so much for joining us today on the Senior Soup podcast. Ryan and I hope you'll join us again soon. And hope to see you in September. Great. Thanks again. Thank you, Kevin.